It is indeed a pleasure to have this privilege to play here for you. We, we intend to give you a very fine program, so just settle back, relax, and enjoy the moment. 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 Hey, hey, and welcome back to Mic'd Up. This is an unapologetic, low-country-based podcast hosted by yours truly, Nika Gadsden. And before we jump into this week's episode, I want to remind you all who are interested in supporting this content, supporting the content on Twitch or on Instagram, check out the show notes below and the show notes will have information on how you can join us, join the community over on Patreon. I'm building it out, y'all. Please bear with me, but I I love the support and I'm truly grateful for those who have already signed up to support this content. You don't know how much it means to me. I'm sincerely moved and excited by the support and I will do my damnedest to justify your support in this content. All right, moving right along. So on this past Thursday, um, Rob Way and Jared Kofsky of the local Charleston CBS affiliate broke an important story. I'm going to play the story, at least the audio from it, right now. Also, I'd like to administer a content warning. Some of the content featured in this episode will include descriptions of police violence. Right now at 6, we are learning the Charleston County Sheriff's Office monitored some local activists and at least one state lawmaker on social media. Now, this comes in connection with the death of Jamal Sutherland, who was tased nine times and died on the floor of the jail in the Charleston County area back in January. That's according to newly released emails obtained by Live 5 Investigates. Our Rob Way tells us why they say this happened and how some are now calling for answers. Before protesters took to the streets earlier this year, we're now learning several of them, along with a state lawmaker, were being watched online. It was uh, pretty unfair to criminalize me um, for defending a victim um, of police violence. This email, which we obtained through a Freedom of Information request, shows an analyst with the Charleston County Sheriff's Office sending command staff screenshots of a number of social media posts demanding justice for Jamal Sutherland. Video released a day after that email was sent shows Sutherland being tased and pepper sprayed inside the jail before his death. Three posts from State Representative Wendell Gilliard were included among the social media they say they were actively monitoring. He now wants answers from Sheriff Kristen Graziano. I, I feel just somewhat embarrassed at the fact that she would even look in this direction for what? You know, I mean, you know, I feel like a common criminal uh, if I had to look through her eyes. And I think it's wrong. She used the wrong approach. I think it's unprofessional. Uh, and, and she just has some explaining to do. You know, um, as I watched this story from my home, I found myself feeling angry. Um, I was confused, dismayed. Uh, angrier <laughs> even um, and I was angry because I was someone who leveraged uh, my credibility my social media platforms in effort to get Sheriff Graziano elected um, I am someone who is uh, deeply troubled by the work um, the work of her predecessor and so I thought it was important to have new and fresh leadership especially democratic leadership um, as opposed to the conservative leadership that we with, that we've seen for the past thirty or so years um, at Al Cannon, um, so I was really really upset and disappointed 
Um, but what really, really angered me was to see my content calling for justice for Jamal, content that featured my name and my likeness, my social media handles, featured in this sensational story um, about how this law enforcement arm, how this office, the sheriff's department, spent its time and resources surveilling the very people calling for justice and accountability. You know, I was very upset. And, and what really upset me, I think, was the detail that you couldn't hear in that story, but a detail that I could read once I um, paused the video and read an excerpt from the um, materials that Rob Way and Jared Kofsky were able to secure. And so I'll read a little bit of that, of the, I'll read a little bit of the email and give you my thoughts. So it, what I've read was this quote, the security threat analysis unit is actively monitoring social media and news outlets regarding any information related to the death of Jamal Sutherland. Contact has been made with SLED, SCIIC, the Seahawk Interagency Operations Center, and personnel at law enforcement agencies throughout the Tri-County area. An open line of communication has been established to monitor, exchange, and distribute any intel in association to this matter to mitigate any potential threats or concerns that may arise, end quote. Um, you know, basically, and, and you heard Representative Gilliard say this very thing, we were characterized as security threats. As a woman who has never been arrested, I am someone, y'all, who has never committed a crime. Um, I haven't had as much as a moving violation while driving in over like a decade. <laughs> you know, someone with my record, I, I'm just like confused. I'm deeply deeply disappointed and confused as to how my content ended up in this um, surveillance effort, right? You know, my, my, my anger doesn't stop with me. I'm also angry and upset that many of my comrades and, and uh, fellow community leaders were also caught up in this surveillance operation. Um, it's the the agencies, y'all, that the, the names that I rattled off in reading from that excerpt, these agencies typically um, deal with things around homeland security, deal, deal with things concerning terrorist attacks. <laughs> I am not a terrorist. I am not a threat to the state, nor are any of the activists who were mentioned or included, um, you know, in this story, um, yeah. So I think it's on the sheriff's office. I think it's on Sheriff Graziano. It's on these um, these agencies to come forward with more information, more transparency um, so we can understand why activists calling for justice for Jamal, calling for transparency, calling for our law enforcement offices and officers to be held accountable why we, the very people who are committed to our communities, why we were caught up in this in this surveillance operation. Yeah. And this is also a huge waste of taxpayer money, y'all. A huge waste of resources and time. And um, this is an invasion of privacy also, you know. We don't know how far 
or how deep the probe went. One can only suspect, right? Because as an activist, I, I know what type of work I do. I anticipate an, um, a, a certain level of risk um, and exposure, but we don't know how deep this probe has gone. But given the agencies that were pulled in on this communication, you can only assume um, how much surveillance we were subjected to. But I think uh, what I want listeners who are not activists, <laughs> listeners who are who were not caught up in this in this mess, I want you also to I want you to understand that you know what happens to me can happen to anyone. You know the the their justifications for tracking our movements and monitoring our social media activity could very well be used to surveil anyone in our community and I think that's why everyone should be just as upset as myself and many of the others who were included in this story. Yeah. Um I'm hope that I hope that the the establishment, the democratic establishment, um I hope that these agencies come forward with more information. Uh, and for detailed information regarding the justice work that I personally was a part of, that includes the Justice for All Coalition, I've included a link in the show notes so you can check out exactly what we all helped to craft, um, some of the demands and uh, that the demands we had of the Sheriff's Department and also you can see how we outline the very problem. A lot of times folks like to stay caught or wrapped around the axle that is sloganeering or defund the police. Well, we try to show you that that's a bad faith argument and this is what we really are fighting for. We, we, we illustrated what we were fighting for. So check out the links in the show notes to get a better understanding as to what we as members of the Justice for All Coalition, what we were fighting for. Okay, so let's stay with law enforcement accountability for this next piece. So on Sunday, Tim Scott was featured on Face the Nation. Uh, there he offered his thoughts on why the bipartisan efforts to draft sweeping police reform legislation failed. And by failed, I mean miserably. All right, so I have some thoughts, but listen to this clip first. Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina. Good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you for having me. What happened? This country was supposed to be at a moment of reckoning at the yeah. relationship between police and the black community. Why did you miss the moment? I'm not sure why they missed the moment. I have been at this table twice already. They've walked away twice. They did this a year ago and they're doing it again now. You're blaming Democrats I for the failure of police reform. I can't understand. Well, we, we should ask ourselves how did we get here at all? It's the big blue cities where they have failed to pass policies that protect their most vulnerable communities. The Fraternal Incident. Order of Police endorsed this. Well, the Fraternal Order of Police did not endorse the bill in its current form. Well, Senator Booker says that they have come out in well, support of it. Well, you're just going to read the emails and tell who, who's, who's where on that one. That's the simple one to solve. You repeatedly have said, because look, I mean, people at home watching this say this was a moment that was missed. And, and because of that, 
this just looks like it's playing politics again. I do I mean, think they're playing politics. You're yeah, right. But what about Republicans here? Because I know you're saying you're at the table. No, you're at the table. But when you're coming the, back to defunding the police, the which is a very effective political line. No, it's actually a part this, of their legislation. Now, Mark, if we're going to be fair to the American people to get but, the whole story, you have to question. allow me to have a conversation about the issue that well, I've been working on question. for the last two years. I'm going to give you the answer to the defunding the police. But isn't this just Republicans not wanting to The defunding the police is a very... The like they the are being soft the, on crime ahead of the 2020 Of course races. not. That's the answer to the question. It, no. Was that part Ooh, of your I don't know what you all heard, but um, shout out to Margaret Brennan. She is a skilled interviewer, and she was able to extract from Tim Scott more than just replies to her question. Um, her thorough follow-up questions, it created an emotional response, you could argue, if you if you get an opportunity to watch this interview, I'll include a link in the show notes, but if you get an opportunity to watch this interview, you'll see um, Tim Scott really fight hard to um, lift up the talking points or to, to discuss the talking points he had prepared. So there were a number of issues or there's a num there are a number of lines, uh, rhetoric, if you will, that he had to get in there. He had to say defund the police, even though we understand that corporate Dems are not in favor of defund the police. So when you're talking about the other members of this coalition, namely Cory Booker, um, Cory Booker is, is as establishment as establishment gets. All right, don't let the Newark, New Jersey roots fool you. And so for, for Tim Scott to bring up uh, defund the police and a number of other things that were simply not what was probably being discussed during these talks uh, is disingenuous and it's Tim Scott being Tim Scott and I don't know if you heard that tail end when Margaret asserted or asked she asked whether or not his tough stance on not yielding or not being able to compromise if that was informed by his presumed run for president and he said absolutely not again if you get an opportunity to watch you'll see this this visceral reaction she's able to she's able to uh, extract from tim scott and um when they say a picture is worth a thousand words well then video must be worth a billion because he really broke character a number of times as he tried to so just he was just stubborn he was so stubbornly trying to inject defund the police into the conversation. And Tim, you know better than that. You know good and well defund the police is not on any Democrat's lips, especially heading into the midterms. Cut it out. <laughs> um, but I, I thought it was important uh, on a serious note. I thought it was important to include that clip because it will help you understand not just the right, to be honest with you. You'll understand why these these talks collapse and you also if you I believe next week Cory Booker is going to join Face the Nation but you can find Cory Booker's um, comments on on why these talks stalled but Cory Booker and Tim Scott both share one thing in common there are other interests that that have shaped this conversation there are other interests that complicate whether or not this type of legislation will ever be seen, will ever be drafted. And that's, you know, I'm talking specifically about their donor-based and, um, and also just the, 
just the overall um <laughs> political stance that moderate dems have 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 um have adopted and um it's a lot similar to what the republicans what the republicans are up to the other thing i i, I heard with tim scott was that he was trying to demonize the left now i didn't expect that and i think that's where tim ran afoul if you're going to demonize the left if you're going to demonize democrats um and you're going to position the situation and i guess tim is probably playing a little bit of defense like i said you can you can get comments from the other two democratic lawmakers you can find those comments um on the internet but um tim scott felt it felt like he was in a defensive position and i think his mask slipped numerous times throughout this um throughout this interview um it's probably why they promoted it so heavily leading up to the sunday broadcast um it's definitely something to see but but tim scott was was so stubbornly trying to defend this position by throwing his counterparts under the bus and i don't know how much that will serve him um in the long run I think it also shows that it almost feels like you anticipated failure. And so you went into it, which we already know, like spoiler alert, neither side wanted to actually bring about sweeping police reform. Um, sorry to bur burst some bubbles out there. I'm sure not, not too many if you're listening to this podcast, but, but Tim especially was trying to demonize the left. And um, it just shows you that we're still at a place um, and, and not just a place where, where Trump brought us, but a, a place we were headed to ever since Newt Gingrich, you know, <laughs> uh, wielded power in Washington, D.C. Um, this very partisan, um, this very just we're, we're at opposite ends uh, of the spectrum. We've never been more divided. Right. I know we've heard it a lot, but I mean, it's it's really, really remarkable. Uh, and so what Tim Scott had to, to say was disappointing in that he chose to deepen the divide as opposed to um, perhaps lift up some key philosophical differences. Um, but he chose to really go at the Dems hard in this interview. And um, it shows his also it shows an attempt for, on his stand, on his point, an attempt to uh, to pander to uh, the rabid trump faction of the party that's very much in favor of law and order um as i as i wrap up this episode i want to say thank you to listener follower subscriber supporter of mic'd up uh and that's lynn lynn earlier this summer she gifted me a few books about prison abolition and, and ending the carceral state and um, from the five that she gifted me, uh, there are two that I'd love to recommend to you all um, to read as we navigate not just uh, police reform, um, not just police surveillance, um, but other issues as well. Um, one thing before I, I, I completely move forward from Tim Scott and into the book recommendations, one thing Tim Scott said that was um, completely false was that blue cities blue cities are failing their citizens and they're not they're not doing any type of reform and they're not that's lot that's a, that's a bunch of lies places like Evanston Illinois 
Columbus, Ohio, um, and Brooklyn Center, um, Minnesota. These places are confronting the issues they have with law enforcement, um, with the extrajudicial killings of black and brown people at the hands of the police. And there has been remarkable legislation and leadership that I think many more cities should model um, or should follow. Should you know, We should be taking notes from a place like Brooklyn Center, from places like Evanston, Illinois. Um, and so um, as you study perhaps what those cities are doing, I suggest you pick up two books. Again, um, thank you, Lynn, for gifting me the books you have gifted me. Um, but out of the bundle, two stand out and feel very timely, feel like timely reads, and they're slim volume, so you could you could finish these relatively uh, relatively quickly. The first book is from Mark Lamont Hill, and it's entitled "We Still Here: Pandemic, Policing, Protest, and Possibility." Right, and the second book is from Angela Davis. It's "Freedom Is a Constant Struggle: Ferguson, Palestine, and the Foundations of a Movement," and that's forwarded by Cornell West. Um, and my own bonus pick that was not included as a gift from Lynn, but I think is, um, is an intriguing read. It's an intriguing read. It helps. It helped me way back when helped me really reframe the way I viewed law enforcement and policing in America. It's a, it's a cult, it's a cult classic. It's written by, uh, Sam Greenlee and it's called the spook who sat by the door. There was also a film adaptation of the book that came out, I think, around the 70s, if if my memory serves me correctly. And I think that book also um, is is a, is a good read. It's a cult classic. So it's not and it's a it's a novel. So it's fiction. Um, so uh, I that's just a little extra a little cherry on top. But please pick up uh, Mark Lamont Hill's. Uh, we still hear pandemic policing protest and possibility and Angela Y. Davis, her uh, freedom is a constant struggle. Ferguson, Palestine and the foundations of a movement. All right. I'm going to leave it there. Thank you for listening to Mike'd Up. I hope you found this content helpful. Um, it was a little rusty and I'm still trying to figure out um, what Mike'd Up should sound like, what voices should be on Mike'd Up the podcast and so on and so forth. But um, I'm sure you all will will be there with me as I continue to grow and be better and uh, show up better for not just myself, for my community. Um, but remember, you can check me out Monday through Friday, starting at 7.30 a.m. on Twitch. Um, find out more about my live streams uh, in the show notes. Uh, so until next time, y'all, take care of yourselves. And to all my Gullah Geechee folks, y'all stay black.